0: Everything is going wrong today, one of those days. Hello. Hi. Can you relate to that? Welcome to Depressed and Shit, where conversations on mental health don't have to look or sound any one specific way. I'm your host, Leah Matta. I'm not a therapist, but I live that depressed fucking life, and I like hearing people's stories about their struggles. Today's struggle, we are going to college. Love it, love it. We're going to college. Woo! Okay, enough of that. Did you go to college, or maybe you go to college now, and if you did, slash do, did you have a good time, maybe a decent time? Maybe you developed a substance abuse problem like your host here. That's for another episode, and I should not be making fun of it. At college, though... Did you enjoy newfound freedom, make some friends, learn some stuff, experience new things, right? All things that any average college student should expect and get to enjoy. Today, we're hearing the story of an undergrad who was already dealing with their fair share of mental health shit before the pandemic and was finding a lot of solace going to school 3,000 miles from where they grew up. It was a good thing. Good times. And then, guess what? While well, back in L.A. on spring break, the pandemic hits, and colleges they knew it was torn away from them. Please welcome Danny Glenn, a 21-year-old Wesleyan undergrad who has a lot to share on trauma, lived experience with OCD, and learning online full-time from her goddamn childhood bedroom. Give us a like on Instagram or a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Here's Danny's story. Danny Glenn, welcome to Depressed and Shed. I'm so glad you're coming on to the show today. So I'm looking forward to hearing your experience transitioning away from in-person learning, which is the modality of learning that we have done pretty much our entire fucking lives. And then it all just fully changed. So you are a psychology and education double major. Is that correct? Yes, I am. When would you say this interest bloomed for you?
1: So as a kid, I was always just asking myself questions and trying to like figure things out in the world and wonder about why people did the things that they did. In addition to that, like most people in my life have some form of like mental health condition or have treated their mental health in some way in the past. Mm -hmm. So it's always just kind of been there in my life.
0: I can really relate to that. (laughs) I. I feel in a way that we like find each other when we do have our own personal mental health
1: experiences. Definitely had that experience in college. Like all my friends and I, it's like the people with like trauma and (laughs) like different mental health conditions. We all just like kind of clump together and we're
0: like, oh yeah, we're all just like a squad. You did allude to your trauma. Do you think your personal experiences weigh in on your current interest in psych?
1: Yeah, especially in learning about like trauma responses and treating trauma patients, I guess. There's just so many things, like so many people have trauma that they don't even process as trauma. And I Mm -hmm. think in learning about that and treating it, like people's relationships can be so much better. And so I think my experiences with that and unlearning certain things and applying that into my life, I felt like hopefully using that in the future to help other people. Mm -hmm. um, I just saw that as like a
0: very important opportunity that I wanted to take on. I'm reading this book and it is yet again by a white man, <laughs> but it's on trauma. It's called The Body Keeps the Score and it's it's great in that it's really expanding my understandings of trauma.
1: Yeah, like a, a lot of what I've learned is that there are so many different types of trauma that can kind of go under the radar. Especially as a kid, you'll process it as traumatic as a kid and then as an adult You look back on it and not see it as a traumatic experience, but your child mind perceived it in a traumatic way. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that um, for a lot of people. And it can just be something like somebody has a certain tone with you and then you internalize it and you don't even realize that that was traumatic for you.
0: So let's talk about what I would presume to be happy times or at least welcomed times for (laughs) you. And that's when you started at Wesleyan, which is a ways away from Los Angeles, where you're from. Yeah. How was that transition when you first got there? It was pretty easy. Honestly,
1: I was a very independent kid. And so uh, moving across the country was really not that big of a deal for me aside from it being like cold. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think for a lot of people, it was a lot more of an adjustment because they relied on their families for like a lot more and were really tied to their hometowns. But like, I can genuinely say I've never felt homesickness while I was there. I don't consider my home the same thing as other people. So a lot of people see their like hometown as like where they feel most at home and that's not how I feel at all. There are a lot of things about LA that (laughs) I just didn't really miss at all.
0: So what is your definition of home?
1: I think it's really more of like a feeling than a location, just anywhere that I feel like accepted and yeah, just like around people who bring out the best in me um, Mm -hmm. would be what I consider home, but I definitely consider it less of a static thing and more of like an ongoing, like I can take home I can take the concept of home to many different locations. Did
0: you experience that feeling while at Westland?
1: Yeah, I think I definitely felt when I'm around my like super close friends in college, I would say that I feel like most at home in those situations or when I'm with my super close friends. Yeah, it isn't location based for me. It's really more of like a feeling of like
0: peace. So it sounds like generally speaking, pre-pandemic, you had a positive collegiate experience. Would you agree? Well, I
1: was pre-med for like a semester, which was an ordeal. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did
0: you want to be a psychiatrist?
1: I did. I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And now I have a lot of issues with Western medicine and a lot of other things. Amen. (laughs)
0: Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Are you getting the opportunity to study non-Western techniques as well? Not in school. Mm. So I haven't had the opportunity
1: to study it in an academic setting, but I have found that I'm like, especially after this past summer with all of the focus on therapy for black people and yeah. just like a lot of different things. Um, yeah. Like there are a lot of free holistic like therapy and wellness resources that have gone out for people of color. So I've learned a lot through that. And through a lot of people online who like do have degrees in more specific generational racial related trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found that like, it's more of a community education type thing, learning about
0: that. Whereas in school, it's a lot more of like Western medicine. Yeah. Western ideas. So pandemic, how did you first find out about campus shutdowns, literally nuts and bolts. However, Wesleyan dealt with the pandemic explosion. What was that period like for you? I guess we're talking March, 2020. In a word,
1: I'd say it was like hell. But (laughs) Let's see. I was, so a lot of people were at school when the news came out. So they like were able to pack and like say bye to people and leave before they kind of entered like the world of COVID because everybody in on college campuses lived in kind of like a bubble at that point so I had already gone home for spring break and I had just literally like di- like a couple days before everything went shit um I was like I <laughs> I was like I literally cannot handle these next two weeks going home to LA like I hate the city I hate like all of my experiences there I was like this is gonna be the worst experience of my life and then huh, yeah, no. no so and then you're I, trapped. It's such like a movie moment when I look back on it. But my best friend from high school and I were like driving on Mulholland Drive, and <laughs> we were looking out at like the whole very city. filmic. Yeah, very cinematic. That yeah, was very yeah. And then this, it just hit me like I like it was at that point. It had just like hit Italy. And it was like when that video came out of like Italian
0: doctors people, or people I know, to like pleading to us yeah, to they were, back to the quarantine. Yeah, They
1: were like, please just like quarantine now. And I was watching it spread. It felt like I was watching it in slow motion. Cause I kind of was like watching it hit different people like, Oh crap, this is like a pandemic. So yeah, it hit me then when I was like standing there and I was like, Oh my God. And I like freaked out. Cause I just like kind of saw like a preview of like, everything's going to close. Like schools are going to close. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be stuck here. And then I was like,
0: I didn't even think virtual school was going to be possible. I was like, everything's going to like... You thought school would stop. I think a lot of us were sort of resistant or it just took us a while to really digest what we were seeing on the news and being told was about to happen. It sounds like it registered very immediately for you. You also, I guess, had a lot on the line since you were physically in a place that you weren't super jazzed to be in. Yeah,
1: it hit me very quickly, I think, because I I have OCD, so I'm always considering... The worst possible case scenario, like always, like all of my actions will not now. Cause I'm like in therapy, go me, but like <laughs> in the past, my actions have always been preventative. So it's like, Oh, I have to do this thing to avoid this like negative outcome. Mm-hmm. So like my whole life I was like, Oh, I have to do well in high school so that I can go to college and get out of a toxic home environment. And like, mm-hmm. a. And a city that I don't enjoy being in and like all these different things. It hit me really quickly because I had already like imagined all of those things happening. I was like, oh crap, like they're all happening. Oh like I was God. right. It was so bad. Was your OCD
0: yeah. diagnosed at that point in time?
1: No, it wasn't. It wasn't okay. until around August.
0: So you were feeling all this shit, but didn't have a label for it.
1: Yeah, like I knew I had anxiety. It was actually very calm. I, I felt very calm because I'm so anxious, I'm always trying to prevent the worst-case scenario. I was okay. like, "Oh my god, it's actually happening." So I was like, "I can't do anything about it." I was like, "It's just going to turn to shit." Like, woo, <laughs> I can't really do anything. Yeah. So, let's see. Campus I got like a notification that campus was closing and I was like, "Well, I think the most stressful part was realizing that like all of my stuff was in another state." <laughs>
0: I couldn't Oh my do god, anything. that hadn't even crossed my mind. Yeah. yeah.
1: So like because yeah, I had literal just, I, possessions. Yeah, like I had packed for a two-week spring break. Oh my goodness! Without any schoolwork or anything, and a lot of other people, like my friend from Tennessee, she drove like 15 hours to go get her stuff. But like driving from California was just like not an option. So I had someone like send the most important things to me at the beginning of March when okay. they went back to Clear yeah, on campus. You mail me? Right um, thank God. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There are so many like small things like that. Like it's like, oh yeah, like I had to like move out of my dorm basically virtually. Like
0: I had to like have people go into my dorm and like move everything out. Did Um, the school put pressure on you to deal with that? Because it's not your fucking fault that you were three thousand miles away when a pandemic made its um, way to the states. Ah, oh, yeah. They were very rude about it.
1: Actually. They were like, yeah, you have to like get all of your stuff out. Like there's a deadline. And I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm
0: supposed to do. Why can't I just leave my stuff? I yeah, can't get on an there. airplane right now. I mean, you no, can, yeah, exactly.
1: but no, they were like, you need to get on a plane and deal with it. And it was really difficult for people who had canceled the flight. Couldn't mm-hmm. afford to like, couldn't afford a flight back. Couldn't mm-hmm. afford to like have people move their stuff out professionally. It was kind of like they were just stuck. And the school was like, we're going to leave your stuff out in the street if you don't pick it up.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah,
1: But a lot of people were in a very difficult situation of do I spend money that I don't have to fly back even though it's unsafe? Or do I spend money that I don't have to have
0: people move me out? It's wild how in unprecedented moments (laughs) Institutions can just be so ruthless. Oh yeah. Don't even (laughs) don't even get me started on institutions being ruthless. (laughs) I
1: have a lot to say. But
0: yeah. (laughs) Well then okay. So you're home. well, maybe that's actually not the word to say. You're in Los Angeles. Yes. You're in your childhood bedroom, taking Mm -hmm. a full load of classes suddenly online. How did you manage this massive shift, especially in a physical space that you had not expected to find yourself in?
1: Well, I was under the impression, I was being very pessimistic. Mm -hmm. A lot of my friends and I were, because we were like, we were like watching stuff happen across the globe. And we just expected that the U.S. wouldn't be as stupid as they would be. (laughs) So we were like, okay, like they're going to shut down travel. They're going to, like a lot of things are going to happen. And like, I just, in my mind, I was like, there are people who don't have adequate Wi-Fi connection. There are people who have like a one room apartment for like six kids like I was like there's just no way like in my head a lot of other people's heads we were just like there's no way we're all going to be able to video chat at one point in time in different time zones it was just so unfathomable at the time Mm -hmm. I was like I'm not going to worry about school because it's going to get canceled like I was just like there's no point because this is literally impossible and I was like it's so inequitable to have people be in, I mean, some kids are like in a mansion, you know, in their own room whereas other kids are like babysitting six different kids while their parents
0: are working like three jobs. Access to technology.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking about all of those things and I was like, yeah, there's no way this is going to work. I'm not going to worry about it. And then like three weeks into school, I was like, no crap, this is happening. And I'm not doing anything. So then you have
0: to like play catch up essentially. Yeah,
1: I did. Um, It was hell. As I said, um, the whole teachers were very lenient because it was such a new situation. And, right. I mean, they really couldn't not be lenient. Like what were they going to say? Like yeah. nobody, nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, like most of the professors didn't even know. Oh my God. It was so stressful. Right. Professors like literally like can't even project something on the screen in class. How are they going to figure out <laughs> online classes? And that was literally the case. Like professors did not know how to use zoom. Like they didn't really get trained in it. Right. Um, it was kind of just every man for, himself. So did things
0: yeah. ever start to sort of balance out for you?
1: I think they started to balance out towards the end of, of the semester. We were given an extra week, actually, to like kind of get acclimated, which was nice, like an extra week of break. Okay. But then all of our classes were like condensed. So that was also stressful. Oh,
0: shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I kind of like fell into a routine of like waking up at a certain time. I stayed on East Coast time the entire time I was in L.A. just because right. otherwise I would have been so screwed
0: by necessity. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was helpful. Really, it didn't start to feel completely mellowed out until we went back in the fall, and like I still had virtual classes, and that was when it started to feel normal.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, but I you think were like middle, conditioned to it at that point. And at that point,
1: yeah. But like in the middle, like switching to virtual in the middle of a semester versus starting a semester virtual are two different things. Oh, true. Yeah yeah, working on classes that were formatted to be in person and then kind of switched in a week to be virtual is very different from classes that were planned over a full summer to be virtual.
0: And yeah. Wesleyan is on the semester system, right? I yes. I had been substituting. I got my grad degree at UCLA a few years ago, so I can sub there. I mean, I can teach in general, but I, I, I was a sub at UCLA and I had been subbing in the weeks, the final two weeks of the winter quarter because they're on the quarter system mm-hmm. and in this like kind of twisted way the the moment that the pandemic set in in the states was like perfectly in tune with the quarter system because they were right about to go on their two-week spring break and then start a whole brand new quarter after like a few weeks of lockdown. Mm, So UCLA and other quarter system schools like had that working for them. So yeah, oh my God, even like in my position as like an educator, I hadn't thought what that would be like for the semester-based schools. Oh yeah,
1: no, I thought about it a lot, like in terms of professors, like it's just like Especially because a lot of professors are older or like didn't expect yeah. to use technology, Fuck and no. then and then like changing your whole curriculum to be online mm-hmm. without planning to, and then also like dealing with all the different stressors of like students in different time zones and right. All these and like with different internet connections and different just availability like during a pandemic from like random cities is just it was so stressful for the professors. I felt so bad.
0: That's kind of wild though. It's like you guys were going through all of this together. That power dynamic was maybe like yeah, oh yeah, minimized was, because everyone was freaking out and struggling. Yeah, it was honestly like little to none. Like every like the professors were like, "Does anybody know how to like move a mouse?" Yeah. And we're like, "Yeah, we got it." You just like yeah. You've been mentioning the word stress a lot. Did did you have maybe sort of less directly related to school? Did you have any other sort of mental health related experiences or struggles during this time?
1: Well, when I went to college, I started doing trauma therapy because of experiences that I had throughout my childhood in my house and like in LA. Did you so, do
0: um, EMDR or? Yeah,
1: I started doing EMDR. Mm-hmm. I had just started doing EMDR, but it's not good <laughs> to do like trauma therapy while you're in the environment. Oh, so so, yeah. um, cause yeah, cause like kind of like the whole point is you're like separated from it so you can process it. Right. And then in the middle of processing it, I was like thrown back, like kind of like went back in time. So yeah, that was not great. And then in addition to that, my parents, I've always, one of the challenges of my childhood was I'm like the most adult person in my house. So my parents are very like, they don't always think things through. Okay. So I had to be like, okay, we're in a pandemic you guys need to go to the grocery store. You need to stock up on things and we can't just go out. And okay. they were like, wait, what? I don't understand. And I'm like, no, like you guys have to do this. Like it wasn't like something that just clicked for them for right. a while. So that was another stressor I was dealing with was like having my parents. And then they were like, why are you buying all of this food? And I'm like, because like we need to stay inside. And they were like, why? And I was like, because we're in a pandemic. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. So then I had to like spend all of my own money on food and like Basically, buy groceries for like everyone, and like I had to like explain like step by step to them. Like, okay, this is how you deal with the pandemic because they were just so yeah, they were just like whatever. we're adults will handle this, and I was like, no, you've never dealt with something like this before. Um, you
0: had a lot on your plate.
1: Like a lot yeah. of a lot of my friends were in the exact same position where their families just it didn't click because hmm. um, adults were very much in the mindset, or like older adults were in the mindset of whatever. I'm an adult. I can like figure this out. I've been through things. Whereas I think it processed for a lot of younger people of like no, this is like unprecedented a lot earlier on. Yeah. And then I also have like a grandparent who we were like trying to make sure she was safe as well. So it clicked for my grandma and for I before it clicked for my parents. So I was like trying to like work with her to make sure that she had everything that she needed because I was like, don't go outside. And my parents were like, why are you guys doing this? Like you guys are overreacting. And then eventually it hit them. I feel like it just hit everyone at different
0: points. Were you able to support yourself or like give yourself self-care throughout all of this shit? No. Um, Oh my God. I was just like a hundred percent in like survival mode at that point. Right. Right. Um, When did that in more, when did that intense period start to lift a little bit? Um, I think it was. Or never.
1: When, (laughs) uh, yeah. yeah, I think it did. It definitely did. I think it was more, it was just, like I said, like it hit people in waves. Like a lot of my friends, parents heard about it when we were in school. So a lot of my friends, parents were like, they kind of seemed like conspiracy theorists looking back they were like pack <sighs> your bags like you guys aren't going back to school and it was such a foreign concept to us we were like why wouldn't we go back to school right. so then we were like whatever they're crazy and then, they would send like packs of like hand sanitizer and we were like what's going on like you guys are crazy and then it hit like a lot of the kids when it went back home but then for the kids whose parents hadn't been like prepping for like months before a lot of those parents it didn't hit till later so it kind of hit people in waves mm. so I feel like the stress for me kind of started to lift when like the realization hit my parents of like, oh, this is like insane. We haven't dealt with this. This isn't just going to be like a week long thing. Mm -hmm. So then they started like taking on the role themselves of like, (laughs) we need to prepare for this. We need to deal with it. We need to like not go outside and not like, you know, yeah, especially because so many things were unknown
0: back then. Like you didn't know. Like that's true. It's almost yeah. hard to remember at this point. I I keep saying that I'm having like am- amnesia for 2020. There's like yeah full periods, and I mean truthfully, this is a symptom of trauma, right? There's like yeah, full I was going to say that. Yeah. there's full periods of the year where I just ha- have full blackouts, or or I have to work really hard to remember what they were yeah. like or felt like.
1: <laughs> yeah, things were so unknown. Like we didn't know if it spread from being like you know, 10 feet away. You didn't know right. if it spread. Like we now we know it spreads from like respiratory or whatever, mm-hmm. but we had like no idea. Like, so it, at the beginning, especially for someone with like, oh my God, I have like contamination OCD. So I already perceived germs like everywhere. So I was like, what's going on? Like I was, well, I, I didn't know that I had OCD at the time, but I was right. looking at experiences of people who did have it. Um, because a lot of people were talking about it and they were like, this is how we basically live our entire lives. Like the fear of germs everywhere of potential like infection is how a lot of people with contamination OCD basically go about life. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's made light of so much because people are like, Oh, I'm so OCD. Like my car, like, is like not parked in like a straight line or whatever. Ha ha ha. Yeah. It was so weird to have people like make fun of something like that. And then it became everybody's reality Mm -hmm. of being like terrified of everything around them. It was very weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, despite all of these very, real challenges would you say there are any positive things you learned about yourself yeah throughout all of this yeah
1: I think well one thing that was kind of like empowering from the entire experience was like basically all of my worst fears happened in the span of like a couple
0: months oh that's interesting
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it was like moving back in behind you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like just as somebody who's like super afraid of like germs or whatever, like basically having like this giant threat everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, what is another fear? Just like a lot of fears, like people like falling ill and like all these different things and they all basically happened. And I'm like, fine. So it's like, okay, Like I have learned that I can handle a lot more than I realized and Mm -hmm. that like the things that you think are the end of would be the end of the world definitely aren't and like life goes on and you're fine. So that was and I've had a lot of people say that that's their experience like a lot of people are very empowered going into 2021 because they're like what can touch me now like literally I've gone I've gone through a pandemic like I don't care so like a lot of people at least like a lot of younger people are kind of saying, like, in 2021, like, they're just going in, like, they're just going to speak their minds, like, they're not really going to care, they're not going to, like, fear the consequences, because it's kind of hard to fear the consequences when like all of your worst fears have already happened and you're like still standing.
0: That's so so interesting. So on this show, I interview Gen Z and millennial aged people. And I feel like I'm millennial, I'm 30. I feel like a lot of the millennial folks have been like, oh, this is all fucked. But (laughs) but maybe Gen Z, this is like psychologically instilling some kind of resilience and confidence. And we're about to see this generation just like explode with abundance.
1: Yeah, like in Bad. my life, has you know, everybody in my life has been like, "This is going to be our semester. Like, okay. we're done." Yeah, so, yeah. So it's very much that mentality. Uh, I do think it also helps that like we're all young, so like we don't have like the constant threat of like COVID's going to kill me. Um, sure, sure. Like yeah. obviously it's like a worry, but it's not as in your face. I feel like a lot of people. Oh yeah, that's another thing. A lot of my friends feel a lot more anxious about like COVID itself when we're at home because we. Have to think on behalf of everybody else who's older than us and who's higher risk than us, right, versus like when we're back in college or when we're living on our own, it's kind of like I can make decisions for myself like That's that true. I think are safe, yeah versus there's so much more of an obligation when you're like at home or
0: yeah, know, my roommate make- my roommate just got back from being away for the last six months, and I was in no way being dangerous or going out and going to huge parties back in the fall, but she was gone for six months, which meant that I just sort of had myself and then my partner who I don't live with yet to like kind of Mm -hmm. be around and be concerned about. But when she got back, it like readjusted my perspective on everything. Like, Oh yes, my choices and my behaviors now affect. Yes. Like someone beyond myself. Yeah. And I have to stay perpetually cognizant of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was actually, I had a similar experience. My roommate in college, um, she went home for like a little over a month last semester, mm-hmm. um, because she could, cause like it's digital. So why not? Um, True. Yeah. and can do yeah. Anything. yeah, you really can. I was like, we should just move to Italy. Like, why not? But anyway, it was like really weird. Cause yeah, it's just so different. Like the, the mindset of my actions affect me versus my actions affect like other people around me. Mm -hmm. is so different. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, like you said, like I wasn't being reckless, but I was a lot less worried. Like if I trusted that somebody had been safe and we both tested negative, I was like, oh, it's fine. Like as long as we're six feet apart, like we don't have to wear a mask, you know, like we're in my backyard whatever. For sure. But when it's like another person, especially like if when they're older, like your parents or your grandparents, it's so much more of like a weight. Oh my God. On On the bright side, another good thing I think that's come out of it is people ask for like consent in a lot of other aspects of their life, Mm. because you have to ask like if people are okay with you doing a certain thing, Mm -hmm. um, because it can like affect their health if they get COVID. And I think that like communication between people has
0: become a lot more like open and... Oh my gosh, that's such a good point. Yeah. This has been like a huge exercise for all of us. Yeah. Asking permission and consent. Wow. Yeah, for sure. That's so great, actually. Wow. Yeah, I that it had not thing. crossed my mind. So you're going back to Connecticut in the coming weeks. Yes. To, yeah. t- to continue online schooling, but in yes. an on campus or near campus apartment, right?
1: Yes, I have one class that's like hybrid. So, like, we do, well, I'm, I'm taking ASL right now. So, it's a little bit hard to do that over Zoom.
0: Oh, sure. So,
1: yeah. So, we're doing like, it's a hybrid class. So, some of the classes are online, some are in person. But generally, like, the bulk of most people's classes are online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just,
0: it's like psychology classes translate fine online, I feel like. Yeah, they do. They honestly do. Like, I, as somebody who has
1: like multiple disabilities, like psychiatric and like learning disabilities, I think. Honestly, there are some benefits to being online just in terms of like making my own schedule, not having to like wake up super early and like get like a hundred percent ready before class. Like I can go to class and be like a total mess and then like kind of start (laughs) my day slower, which is super nice. Yeah. Um, But then there's also like, it affects other people differently and me. Like I also have ADHD and that like taking class with ADHD virtually is also not great because I cannot focus.
0: There are pros and cons for sure. If you had one piece of advice for, other college students, maybe something you've learned about yourself, maybe it can be self-care, just something you've learned about yourself that has helped get yourself through this new lifestyle, which will theoretically end, but this new lifestyle of online learning, what would be one piece of advice you might offer?
1: Learning how to have, or like working on having a positive relationship with yourself and making it like a fun experience like if you're going to be spending that much time like basically by yourself (laughs) I was just like I had like a full span of days where I was just like on my office chair like all day just like trying to see like how I could like travel through my apartment like in my office chair Um, (laughs) and just like random things like that like just making life like fun and like making sure that you have fun when you're by yourself because Otherwise, it's just, it would be so depressing. I don't know.
0: I just, mm-hmm. I have to just like... I feel like the word joy, joy has always been a word in our English language, right? But I feel like it's been so much more present this year in a way like we must work to find joy or we must remember, <laughs> yeah, we must remember to prioritize joy, the word joy yeah. specifically. Yeah, that
1: is true. Yeah. Yeah. The second I, thing I was thinking of is just, I don't know, I feel like when you do Zoom classes, it's so easy to push off like Zooming other people or FaceTiming with people because you're always on a screen. But there really is a difference. Like when FaceTiming is like the closest you can have to in-person communication, I think remembering to like make time to like FaceTime people just like catch up, even though in your head, you're like, I don't want to be on a screen all day. But it does make a difference, I think. And I feel I've gotten a lot closer, like, like I've reconnected with people from high school and I've like gotten a lot closer oh. with my friends.
0: I've gotten a lot closer we, like, with specific difference. friends. I don't even know why, like certain relationships that are very strong for me now. And I rely upon yeah. for like friendships and socializing. I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that those are yeah. the people no, I agree. that would become so strong in my life and just sort of organically they have. <laughs> yeah,
1: I no, I agree. Especially after high school. I mean, like I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm cutting everyone off. Like I made like new social media. I was like, I'm not talking to anyone. Like I was like, I'm done. Oh, Oh, and then, yeah, I had a, I was a phase during the pandemic. Like I reconnected with so many of those people and it was just like, I would have never expected that those people would have such important relationships in my life. But I think when I had to go back into an environment that they basically lived through with me in high school, I think that a lot of people, I mean, found themselves in a similar boat of like, what the heck, like, how did I get back in my childhood bedroom? So I feel like I reconnected with a lot of people on that That's level. Great. And then, yeah. I just like kind of continued when I went back to
0: college. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Danny. Yeah, of course. "Depressed and Shit" was recorded in a real live bedroom in Los Angeles, California. Music by Eric England. Logo designed by Carrie Weiss. Produced and hosted by Real Honest Batch, Leah Mata. Do you have reactions to today's episode? Do you have an experience with mental health you'd like to share? Or are you the baby angel from the heavens that wants to donate to cover administrative costs and all that fun shit? Email us at depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. No asterisk here, folks. That's just the logo. Shit is spelled S-H-I-T. Bye-bye. To repeat, depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com.